Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Jocelyn. I hope that you've uh, not purchased any sort of cloth map edition of <laughs> some sort of video game where pre-orders, I guess, did go live in between this episode they and last. They did. I have not. I have not purchased anything, Ryan. I have not done it except uh. a puppy, but that's okay. That, uh, yeah, but I have not purchased um, a, a cloth map edition of anything. So. The puppy didn't come with a cloth map? That's. No, the puppy did not come with a cloth map. The puppy just came with adorableness. Well, I mean, we'll come because we don't, we don't have it yet, not till August 8th, but yeah, I'm very excited. Awesome. Well, there you go. <laughs> totally not video game related at all, but. <laughs> That's totally fine. Definitely a purchase I have recently made. <laughs> Well, that's good. And I mean, like, you know, you haven't uh, you haven't gone back to God of War yet. And I and I think the the logic was sound in that um, there will be many a cloth maps to purchase down the road. So uh, it's it's a good it's a good wait and see approach, I think, for sure. Well, and I mean, really, I, I do want to play God of War and I've said this for a while now, but um, I don't know. I feel like I've just been really wrapped up in a lot of other stuff. There's some really interesting stuff coming out right now. And I feel like there was a lull for a couple months and I probably should have played God of War like a month and a half ago. But um, yeah, like, I mean, the we're going to talk about it tonight, but the quarry is out. Um, and then uh, Stray just came out today, which is that robot cat game. I don't I, that's literally all I know about it is it has robots and cats. And I was like, mm, that sounds good. Um, then on top of that, uh, DVD just released like the biggest update in the history of the game. And it's basically like a whole new game as of today, which obviously is a big deal for me. <laughs> and then, uh, Raft, I think we talked about a couple weeks ago, they put out like their final 1.0 launch edition and it's really fun. And like, I know, like, I feel like I kind of played it in like bits and pieces before, but I have like one save game that I'm working on with a friend and like we only play together and that's it. But that's like all we've been playing for the last couple of weeks is just like building up this raft in this world and stuff and actually seeing the game and the progression like the whole way through instead of like jumping in and out of a whole bunch of different servers. Um, it's actually that combined with the with the 1.0 updates like it's a really, really good game like both mechanically and narratively like i'm having a really good time so it seems like there's just a lot to do in gaming right now yeah no it's it's definitely it's definitely definitely busy times and which is surprising because it's it's july and usually summer is quite it's quite slow when it comes to video games yeah i'm kind of surprised like how many people are, are putting uh updates and stuff out not to mention i mean the new hearthstone expansion's coming in a couple of weeks too and like it just it seems like there's a lot of things going on in the games that I love right now. So, um, but yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about the, the query, God damn it. Quarry, the quarry that rhymes with sorry, the quarry. tonight. Um, I, I still haven't totally finished it. Um, and I know Ryan, you've just started it, but what we did do is dive a little bit into the co-op. So, um, I do want to talk about that a little bit because I know you played, like couch co-op with Ashley and even the couch co-op was different like experience wise than the online version that we played. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I did pick up the quarry after our conversation last episode and it turns out uh, it was on sale for both prime day and then into the weekend. And I've seen it on sale on both uh, steam and 
and console versions. So I did pick it up. Which is hilarious because I bought it like a week and a bit ago and like just before all the sales. So of course I did. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? It's 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 odd. Like the game did just come out. I, I it, it had been about a month since it came out that these sales have been active. And yeah, it, it was a bit uh, surprising to see it go on sale. But honestly, I have a feeling because um, the so the the multiplayer, the online multiplayer, we talked about this um, probably. Uh, oh, God, I don't know how long ago it was now, but but six months ago or something. But um, this was one of the companies that was really heavily impacted by the war in Ukraine because that's where a lot of their developers and their servers were. So the multiplayer mode for the game actually got delayed until only, um, I think it came out on July 7th or 9th or something like that. So like the multiplayer version of the game is really new. So I'm wondering, since in order to play multiplayer um, online, you both have to have copies of the game. So I wonder if they've kind of dropped the price in order to also help push the multiplayer that launched um, a little bit later than the actual game itself. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly possible. And I and I think that um, because of the way the multiplayer is set up in this one, I know in previous Dark Pictures anthologies, which is very much a co-op, like two player game. Yeah, you both play at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, they I think they uh, like halfway through uh, or six months after it, it would release, they say, OK, everybody now who owns the game, there's a, a friend pass version which basically allows you to invite someone in they download the friend client and they're able to queue into a game with somebody else who owns it um, yeah i don't think it's it's been available at launch but they i do see them pop up shortly after and you're right it's probably to assist in you know getting more folks to check out the co-op uh but yeah i would imagine a sale comes in very handy because again like it is it's 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 a full price title. It's a full price game, yeah. And mm. and I mean, you now that you've actually been in it, and uh, some of the you were making some comments and stuff when we were playing through the co op, but um, they've done a, a really good job of making some shots, like the cinematics for sure. But then even the the stuff that you're playing, like some of the shots are really realistic looking and kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah, I mean. You're you're absolutely right. Like there are some scenes where uh, it, it feels like you're watching a movie, and and they kind of cut from uh, what is clearly in-engine video game type stuff to what feels like a live-action moment. And specifically early on in the prologue, when the characters are peering through this like opening in like in a these, gap, yeah, <laughs> yeah, this gap in like these uh, these storm doors. Uh, leading into a basement and and it zooms in it's the perspective of inside and you see the character's eye just kind of moving around it's like the eye is like the whole screen yes. and it looks so good but freaking creepy <laughs> yeah absolutely and they nail it they they really nail that that uh that creep factor of you know you just anticipate something happening to that character's I and I imagine at some point in this video game, something happens to someone's eye. I'm just throwing it, it out there. It has to. It has yeah. to. They put way too much time into animating those eyeballs for them not to get popped. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, I remember. <laughs> or that was really gross. <laughs> well, you know what? Preparing for the worst. I, I like it. grossed myself out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but like the game, uh, you know, there's there's also like really stellar 
um, camera angles that, so again, like we talked a bit about this most of the time or, or some of the time, uh, it's a fixed camera angle. Mm-hmm. Um, there are these exploration bits where you can control the camera, like a more open area, but when you're in a confined space or a confined, um, area of, of the, of the map, you, you don't have control over the, you have a slight control over the camera, but it's really just, you know, moving it around a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. but there are these like camera angle changes where it's like, oh, wow, this is crazy. So one of them is you're walking along the deck of a, a house and everything's fine. You just, the camera's positioned in a way you would assume. And then you turn a corner and suddenly the camera snaps inside the building and you just see yourself outside with the flashlight. And it's such a, you know, a great way to surprise the player without showing a ghost. I was going to say it's almost it's a jump scare, but nothing happened, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they play around with camera angles uh, really well. But and and there are moments, again, where you have full control over the camera and those those moments feel less freaky because you are you're, you're but it depends where you are. Like we played two chapters co-op and uh, one chapter you're in the woods, the next chapter you're in a well-lit cabin. So obviously, like when you're fully in control while you're in the dark woods, it's it's not as it's it's still scary. But when you're in the cabin, it's like, oh, this is this is just a normal cabin. It's totally except for putting a bunch of chairs on the stairs. For some reason, that was rather odd. But uh, yeah, though, it's that was one of those moments that's clearly done to keep you out of the upstairs from a video game perspective, but has no real world like practical application. So like you if you go and talk to the characters like the reasons ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. It's it's uh it is it, like the game is just it's so oh, it's so produced in a way that like all of the characters are I think well acted at least in, in my experience. And then when when characters aren't well acted or you feel like they're not well acted it's like okay, I feel like I can give the game the benefit of the doubt in that this is going to come into play later, you know, and specifically with a couple of characters like, you know, well-known actors, you know how they act, you know, you know, Ted Raimi is very over the top. David Arquette has that David Arquette style as well. We should also point out that we're pretty sure my prologue was bugged (laughs) because there's this moment where the character that I was talking about from uh, the guy who's in righteous gemstones, he like kind of like bends over to like, try the car, like try the key in the car sort of thing. And then in my playthrough, his head got stuck at that weird chin to chest angle when he was like leaning down and he just never came out of it. But then I watched the prologue and like played through with Ryan and co-op and it wasn't like that at all. And I was like, oh, okay, good. So that was a bug, not a conscious animation choice. So I was like, what the hell is going on with this character? It's really bothering me and like pulling me out of the immersion. <laughs> but yeah, that was a bug. So the not bad acting, not bad animation, just a bug. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely just a, a bug. I, I definitely didn't notice it when... When I played through, and then again when we were playing uh, co-op, we we didn't we didn't see it. So and and you did point out the specific animation when he did do the uh, chin to to chest sort of looking down. Yeah, moment. I knew it as soon as I saw it because I was like, did I just imagine this or whatever? And then I saw him turn the key, and I was like, no, that's how he got stuck. <laughs> <laughs> I remember now. <laughs> yeah, so it it uh, it it worked out uh, for us playing, but um, they, like. 
when we were doing co-op, it's it's different from so folks who may remember our Dark Pictures anthology playthrough, which is um, by the same developers, which is a straight up co-op game where you are experiencing different parts of the story and syncing up at moments and then going away and syncing up. And you're missing not only key parts of the story, but you're um, sometimes in the same moment, but experiencing different things. So it, it really plays up that that co-op angle and, and replaying. Which like I did like some of those instances where we were in the same moment. So we were experiencing the same events, but from different perspectives. I thought that was really interesting. The part with the dark pictures thing is when when they like split you away and like you go do one thing, I go do another. I mean, we've had two games now because I feel like you didn't like Little Hope so much and I didn't like um, House of Ashes because I felt like I didn't get to do anything and I didn't really see anything. And you felt the same way in Little Hope where I was kind of getting all the action. So it wasn't quite as balanced. But the times where we got to experience it together were really fun. And I feel like the the quarry, the quarry, oh my God, the quarry is very similar to that in that like we both get to experience the events together. Now we don't control our own characters, but we do control the story kind of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I feel like it might have been better with more players actually cuz the voting piece of the online co-op was really interesting. Yes. Yeah, no it was. And I and I feel as though when we were when we were playing because it was 50-50, uh I think for the most part there was only one instance where I think I went in the opposite direction just to see what would happen. Well, yeah. And I think there's two different versions of the co-op too. So there's the lone wolf version, which is there's a wolf pack, which is like all of the secondary players, but then there's like one like master player. So even if we vote like a hundred percent one way, like us as the wolf pack vote a hundred percent one way, you can still choose the other option or there's um I think it's I think it's Lone Wolf and Wolf Pack or something. I can't remember exactly their naming convention. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Um the other version is all eight of us just vote and there is no like veto. So it's just majority rules. Um I'm still not sure. I tried to Google and find out. Still not sure what happens when the vote is split 50-50 because you can play with up to eight players, which means you can meet a situation where you have, you know, four one way, four the other. Um, for Ryan and I, we played obviously just the two of us and there, you can abstain, right? Like you can choose not to vote. You can choose not to react. Um, but yeah, generally our choices were like at, at best we could be like 50, 50. Right. And I don't know what happens in that case. Um, I guess it always goes with, since we were in lone, lone wolf mode, it always went with what you chose, but I don't know what would happen in a 50, 50 split in the totally democratic mode. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it would have been like, I think I, I think you're right. If we were playing with more players, it would have been more interesting to see how that would have worked. Um, yeah, because I like the chaos of everybody choosing and then nobody knows what's what's going to happen. Yeah, it's like it just seems like every single character in the game has like uh, multiple personalities because <laughs> it's like one minute they're nice, the next minute they're evil. And there's no in between and they're all over the map. <laughs> Honestly, that's that's probably how it would play out. Like it would just be it would be it, that would be part of the fun. And, and also, yeah. you know, part of the ability to discover um, new playthroughs and new story and new dialogue, because when we were yeah. playing, 
I just played last night with Ashley uh, couch co-op and then played, you know, before we recorded today and wildly different conversations with the characters. Yeah. Even I found like characters were even like in different locations, like relationships between characters seemed to be different. I was surprised um, like plot wise, it didn't seem to change much, but again, it's really hard to judge how much the plot changes based on your decisions when you're only looking at the first few chapters. Like usually you make decisions in the first half of the game that then start to have repercussions in the second half of the game, right? And we're not there yet. So it's kind of hard to judge, but I was surprised even just with a couple of small changes. Um, so for instance, uh, in the prologue, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spoil this stuff a little bit, just because like I want to give an example and it's in the prologue. It's the very, very beginning of the game. So um, hopefully it's not too spoilery for you guys. But like in the car, you have the option to choose. It's like the very first option thing. And you uh, you can choose to pull the map out or the brochure for the camp. And so in my playthrough, I'm like, um, we're lost. Of course I want a map. Why the hell would I want a brochure for the camp? Like, let's find ourselves. Let's go. <laughs> and uh, so... Basically, I, I pulled out the map and and the grand scheme of things, like plot wise, it doesn't really matter what you pull out. But then like later, that was basically the only thing I changed. But then like when we went back to the car, then like the other character was in a different spot. And then there was another like jump scare ghost moment that didn't happen the first time through. And like the conversations that they had were like a totally different tone. And I was like, what is happening? Is it just because we joked around about this stupid map? Like what? <laughs> or like the, sorry, brochure, not the map. Like I, it was, I was like not wildly different, but it definitely, was, there was a different tone. So uh, yeah, I was, I was surprised at how different it was based on just a few small decisions. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, the, 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 the decisions that you make in this game and and I, I think this is with every supermassive game. Uh, it doesn't necessarily ruin the experience, but when you start to think about, oh, no matter what our choices, like especially at the prologue, and I think the prologue can be forgiven, but but it starts to chip away at your faith in it as you get into chapter one. Yeah. It's like, oh, I didn't. I made these same choices. It still results in the car breaking down no matter what. Yeah. And no matter what. Yeah. Like this is so early on, but it's like, it's comical. Like we, so we got the, 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 the tarot card that shows, uh, doofus, uh, pulling the fuel line on the car and then forgetting, and then turning the car on. And there's a fire and the car doesn't work. But so you see that it's like, well, clearly I don't want to go with that. Cause he's going to light himself on fire. Yeah. I don't think he, uh, forgot. I think he just like, he had to mime, like he didn't know what was going on. Right. Cause right. Yeah. I mean, you did see the gas like spewing out of the line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wouldn't turn that key, but <laughs> it was, it yeah. was rather odd, but you know, but in yeah, that it instance... looked like it could have potentially maybe been a death for sure. Cause it was a tarot card, right? So yeah. you just kind of assume that those are always going to be deaths. And actually very shortly after that happened, we did a quick time event thing and and did a thing with a water bottle that maybe if we had failed that quick time event, it would have been a death. I don't know. Maybe he would have caught on fire and we would have had no jock character. <laughs> maybe. I, I honestly thought uh, I like when we were playing the co-op, it was very it was very subtle sometimes when the characters switched. 
And mm-hmm. I honestly thought when we, we when we succeeded in that quick time uh, that that we were playing as I, I think his name's is it Jacob or Jacob? Yeah. yeah. I honestly thought we were playing. So I thought like the success of that mini game was allowing us to dodge, you know, podcast listening Ryan, which is a real character. Uh, and, <laughs> and they actually at some point in, I think, chapter two, call him Rye Guy. And I'm just like, I can never let this guy die, because if I do, then I'm never going to live it down <laughs> or great payback for i'm sure everyone is 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 quickly typing into discord to remember that one time i betrayed you in uh, house of ashes so <laughs> that is true that is true mm. <laughs> mm. yeah so i thought when we were uh succeeding in that mini game i thought we were sending jacob to to his fiery death but uh, we were not we were not we were actually still controlling ryan and we we although like him like he grabs a water bottle and literally the engine's on fire and and no one seems worried so uh the car like it quickly fades like this is the thing um this is early on in the game and we'll see maybe later on when we get you know closer to the end but this is the this is the point like in in these supermassive games especially the bigger experiences like until dawn and and uh, I'm assuming the quarry uh, your characters aren't going to die early on, like by player choice, because that would. Well, so you uh, say mm. that, <laughs> but I've already killed somebody. Oh, really? In chapter two? So very. So, yeah. Okay. Very quickly. <laughs> All right. So then I'm wrong. And like, and so I'm not going to say who and I'm not going to say how. What I will say is, uh, okay, first of all, I want to explain or kind of expand a little bit on the tarot card system from last week. So tarot cards are essentially the same as like the paintings that we saw in Until Dawn, where you see them, you get a premonition and it shows you something that's coming up. um, And then you can, you know, choose to pay attention or not or whatever, like it basically gives you a little bit more information on how to keep your characters alive. Now in the quarry, it's very much um, they've, I guess, pared down the system or made it more, um, more of a hint instead of a straight up, like this is what's going to happen kind of situation. And they really stress like might, and it's not meant to like explain the whole game and give you all the outs because if you find more than one tarot card in a chapter, which in some cases there are, some cases there aren't, um, but if you find more than one tarot card in a chapter, then you can only, when you go back to the old fortune-telling witch lady um, in between chapters, you can only choose one. So like she'll show you all the cards you found and then you only get to see the vision attached to one of them. And you can also choose to not see any visions at all. But uh, it's a much more like selective system. You don't get all the hints this time through, which is interesting. And the other piece of that is that you don't get all the hints in terms of like there are branching paths like where you have to choose if you're going to go left or you're going to go right. And um, I actually looked it up because I was getting frustrated with how many tarot cards it seemed like I was missing when, you know, I was kind of walking around and a lot of the interactable stuff like we talked about last week is very obvious. And I'm like, how the hell am I missing so many tarot cards? And it turns out you just cannot get all the collectibles in one go. So like path on the right might have a tarot card, path on the left might have uh, a clue or evidence or something like that, like some other collectible down the other path. So if you choose the collect the clue path, 
you're never going to see that tarot card. Um, and vice versa, if you choose the tarot card path, you're never going to see that clue. So like, it's, it's kind of interesting in that way. And that, you know, you're not going to find everything in all in one playthrough. And you're also not going to get a hint for every single character for every single possible death, which really is how um, Until Dawn felt. It was like, if I just pay really close attention, I will find all the premonitions and nobody will die. The quarry throws that idea out the window. They're like, nah, people are going to die. <laughs> like I even ended up having a premonition, like a, a vision about the character I killed mm. <laughs> and the death was totally different. And then, so I felt, you know, way overconfident and I was like, oh, this will totally turn out fine because I'm nowhere near the thing that's supposed to kill me according to the vision and death. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> it's like, I never would have chosen that if I like, I was on the lookout for like death A, but then I accidentally unlocked death C. <laughs> it's like, man, <laughs> they really like, they don't want you to know in this game. It feels like what's coming. It's like, they'll, they'll give you some hints, but I feel like even the hints that I've received so far, the visions I've seen have been pretty obvious stuff. So I'm like, yeah, they're, they're really burying the lead and, and hiding all the options in this game, which I, which I kind of love. <laughs> I'll be honest. Yeah, no, I, I think having, having more options, having more surprise, uh, like there, I think it allows it, well, it increases replayability, which, which I think is yeah. very important with a game like this, you know, um, and they've definitely recorded varying lines. And I, I like, again, like I played last night and then we, we played tonight and I don't remember every single choice I made. I remember some key ones, but there are a lot of like dialogue choices and stuff that pop up and, and some of them are more memorable than others, but it does lead to different encounters. And honestly, I could see that. I don't know if this is if this is accurate or not, but I could see the developers saying like, OK, if we want to encourage multiple playthroughs, let's get different takes of different lines and uh, different mocap sessions and, and see what we can get. Like you mentioned, a character was you know, standing by the car instead of standing in the woods, you know, uh, for your playthrough in my playthrough, he was always standing in the woods, but mm -hmm. it's just, there's, there's a lot of varying sort of performances in there. And, um, there are a lot of dialogue choices that lead in branching paths. And I think no matter what, if you were to play this, you know, time and time again, I would imagine that you would you would always have a different playthrough. Um, I think there's an article out there. It's it's not as crazy as the Borderlands super duper million types of guns or whatever, but like I'm sure there's an article out there talking about the many different playthroughs that you can get of of the quarry and it's a marketing piece, I'm sure, but it yeah. <laughs> it's true. Like it's there it feels like there's a lot here. And I mean I'm only a couple chapters in, but I having played the game in different modes like online with you in the in the wolf club mode or whatever <laughs> and uh i can't remember what it's called uh wolf pack wolf it's pack. not even a stretch <laughs> no i had half of it right wolf club sounds pretty good um but also playing so uh so last night i played couch co-op and then today i wanted to make sure oh i you know some of these games they they can be a little weird with saves i want to make sure like if i start a co-op playthrough it's not going to overwrite my save uh, where Ashley and I were playing, but you can actually have um, a save for each mode. So it, it it can be a little jarring because there's no like load or save load option. But if you start like multiple playthroughs, either through a single player, co-op, 
couch co-op. Uh, if you go to continue, it gives you the option to choose which playthrough you want to start. And there's actually another mode uh, that is called uh, Movie Night or something, which basically just plays a movie. Uh, it plays the whole game in like a movie style. It might give you the option. I, I'm pretty sure it gives you the option to make some dialogue choices, but there's no quick time events, I think. Uh, it's just like a sit back and watch. There's, I don't. Yeah, I don't think that there are quick time events, and I don't think that there's any exploration. Uh, like you don't, you don't get to like walk around and and look for collectibles and and stuff like that. You just, it's just kind of moves you like conversation to conversation, plot point to plot point. Which I think is a really cool idea, and kind of leans into the idea. Of like, and that's how I pitched it to Ashley. I said like it's basically like a movie, but we get to control. Um, directly the characters in certain moments and make dialogue choices. And, and um, like, Ashley doesn't play a lot of video games. And I like, but that being said, the one rule is like, as long as I don't have to control the camera, because the camera controls always throw her off. So mm, yeah. for the most part, there's not a whole lot of that. Like you can ignore the camera controls. And you just can kinda... completely. Yeah. Even in the open exploration moments where you do have a bit of a wider open space, it kind of starts you with like a default camera and you can just leave it there. Yeah. And it works really well. And but that being said, even when you're controlling the camera, it's not like an action platformer. You can, no. you can swing it around. <laughs> And it's it's not jarring. So that worked really well. I do need to go into the settings and make some changes to the QuickTime event. Um, although, it, like when we were playing, basically what it does with Couch Co-op is it sets it up like, okay, how many players do you have? In this case, there were two of us. And it's one controller. It's a pass the controller type because you're only controlling one character at a time. And basically what it says is like, okay, you're going to divvy up the characters. So in this case, uh, obviously I chose, I had to have Ryan on, on, uh, on my side because i had to play as ryan and obviously yeah and we just kind of divvied up all the characters so we each had four characters and uh ashley was up first and again like having not played but i've played previous games i was like okay there's gonna be some quick time events but they're gonna they're gonna lean you into it they're gonna you know they're gonna they're gonna allow you to miss some prompts and stuff yeah the first i would say probably the first 10 or so have almost no consequences if you miss them you know like there's a trip and stumble moment there's like hitting rocks and laughing about it in a golf cart moments like there's they don't really have like well okay yeah then, then there's also the moments in the golf cart where you miss the quick time event and it's not a rock that you hit yeah. <laughs> but but the point is that um they don't have any like dire character consequences like nobody's going to die for the first like that they give you a very long time to learn how to do it properly <laughs> Yeah. And, and that works really well in that regard. And I, and I, again, like if you are playing this game with someone who's, you know, not playing, is not really playing a lot of video games or like, I think that's where, that's where like make that person player one, get them started right off the bat in the prologue because you'll play the, that player will play the full prologue. And again, it gives them the opportunity to learn the buttons and learn the controls and, and, we're playing on PlayStation and I, I'll be honest, like the quick time events have all been the control stick. Uh, and, and it can be like, you think it, I thought it was the circle button. Yeah. I thought it was the circle button too. I don't think I've actually had a quick time event that was anything other than a direction on the control stick. Yeah. And I think that might 
you know, like I think there was a lot of work that went into you, you had quick time events and they were they were like they were always nonsense. Like maybe 10 years ago, it was always like, man, really, you're going to make me push this button and that button. It's 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 too much. It's like dance, dance revolution over here. Uh, but I think now there's been like we get quick time events are fun, but they're not fun when you're failing because you you didn't happen to have the controller or your thumb in just the right, right spot. Yeah. Uh, so the fact that they make it the control stick, you, you're always you're like if you're holding the controller in the default state, your your thumb is on the control stick, and I think that works really well. Although it can be a little, it's jarring because the graphic that pops up, it looks like you have to hit a button or you have to and and move the stick. Yeah, it's like the first half of the time of the event is just showing you the icon of the control stick that looks like the circle button. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden there will be an arrow that'll move in one of the four directions. And then you're like, oh, I need to go up or down or left or right or whatever. Um, And just like, oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, like it's almost that like they try to give you so much warning, but don't tell you what you have to do. (laughs) Yeah. Like essentially it's warning you to prepare your thumb on the control stick and then you have to push it. (laughs) And I mean, honestly, a lot of the quick time events that have popped up have not been life or death. So it's really like, I don't know if I'm succeeding because the window is so large and I'm not as panicked. Um, mm. But there are some moments in that prologue where you're running uh, and and it can be a little like, oh, if I fail these, something bad's going to happen. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, you know. Uh, Which, yeah, I, should, I shouldn't say that the quick time events don't have any consequences because I didn't fail any. Um, we failed some minor ones like later on in chapter one, but, um, there, there are some times in the prologue that might potentially be meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to say in that, um, I, again, like I think the window is so large in those quick time events in the prologue. It, it, it's tough as long as you, as long as you're holding on. There was a couple moments where, um, the controller was not in hand and, you know, we were, we were, cause again, it, it plays like a movie, so it can be tempting to set the controller down. Uh, <laughs> but obviously, you know, it's, it's not something you should do in, in a game like this because it can have dire consequences. Um, but the couch co-op was a, was a lot of fun and, and Ashley really enjoyed it. And again, like, I think it comes back to the story they're telling the care, the way the characters are presented, the acting is phenomenal. And, you know, the mystery of it, too, because, again, like, yeah, like uh, less like House of Ashes and more like Little Hope. Um, there's this mystery to it. You don't know what's go- you Clearly, you know, something's going on and they set it up right away and that there's some mysterious stuff happening like we talked last week. But you don't get all the answers right away, but it's it's no. intriguing. You want to know, OK, what is going on here? Basically, yeah, it, it basically it feels like they kind of like give you all of the threats all at once mm-hmm. if that makes sense like they just um they put it out there for you and which is interesting because they didn't quite do that in until dawn it's like they they wanted to keep some stuff like hidden or you know that could possibly like all the events could be could be attributed to one thing but then it actually ended up being a couple of different things um, and this time it really feels like here's our cards. This is what we're playing with. Uh, but it's going to be a ride. So I'm looking forward to, to finishing it off because I still haven't finished it. I'm kind of taking my time with it. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to, to seeing where this whole thing goes, which is also kind of how I feel about the Resident Evil special on Netflix. So I've seen a lot of terrible reviews <laughs> for this. And I will say, I don't know why. 
I like I think like there's so I think I know I haven't read the reviews, honestly, but I've seen some of the discussions around the new Resident Evil. And I and I think it stems from it's there's the 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 teen drama, like the school stuff. And I, I honestly thought that that would uh, would throw you off the show a little bit. It kind of reminds me of like it's not like it's not exactly like life is strange, um, but there's some well, real like Albert Wesker is dealing with a lot of. A lot of stuff here, you know? Well, but I didn't necessarily feel like it was a lot. Like, there was some of it, like, um, teenage girls moving to a new town, have to start a new school, blah, 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 blah. Like, there was that in episode one. But Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like they really dwelled on it. It seemed like it had a reason. Like, so, and we're going to go a little bit into spoilers. I've only finished episode one to three, but just so you guys know, if you haven't watched any Resident Evil on Netflix and you want to, there will be some, some plot spoilers. I'll try not to spoil too much stuff, but we want to spoil enough to talk about it. So, um, this is your warning. (laughs) So I feel like the, uh, the teen drama is drama for a reason. So for instance, like the the um the quirky or weirder sister or whatever that like gets into the fight with the bully, it's like that whole thing kind of made me go like, okay, whatever. But the whole reason for that happening was to establish who Albert Wesker was within the company and how much power he could wield, which I thought was really interesting. And I'm also coming from a place of not knowing anything about anyone other than very superficial stuff. Like I know Wesker is a name that's associated with Resident Evil. That's it. So like if for me, this is kind of like a lot of really cool world building where I can see if someone was already familiar with the game universe, they might be doing a pushes up glasses well actually moment a lot but i don't have that groundwork so i think that they're doing a really good job pulling me into this universe assuming i know nothing and setting up what's going on so i've really enjoyed it actually the first three episodes like i've i like it i think it's a good show (laughs) well i I think you're i think you're right in the sense that if like the school like the school stuff is what i heard a lot of feedback on it and for me Mm. it's like it can the first episode it's pretty heavy handed with, you know, the bully and the daughter not being happy about uh, moving to New Raccoon City. And um, again, like uh, Albert Wesker being like a father of these these two kids and just kind of like trying to do his best to make sure his daughters are happy and safe. And I think the first episode um, really showcases that these daughters are not happy to be where they are. One is like, let's just try to make it work. And the other's like, no, burn it to the ground. Literally her, one yeah, of her lines literally is burn, it to, the burn it to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> she, you know, and, but again, like I'm, I'm sure it fits. Like, again, we, we don't know these characters just yet, but. Yeah. And the other thing is too. So we've got like, um, it's two timelines. It's showing us um, like, before the fall of civilization and after sort of deal. Um, and so I feel like that's also helped in that you're not, you're never stuck with those teenage characters for too long mm-hmm. before you hop back into the future and you've got some action scene or something, or like something is revealed about, you know, umbrella and their place in that post-apocalyptic world. Or like there's, there's a lot of world building happening. And I feel like, what could be 
annoying and life is strangey is broken up enough with either intrigue from the lab trying to figure out how this worldwide apocalypse actually happens or with crazy action stuff from the future where you're also trying to glean that same sort of like information or at least I am I'm constantly trying to figure out again as someone who does not know the Resident Evil universe I'm constantly trying to figure out how exactly society ended like what caused the apocalypse is it the thing that you think that it is is it something different like what's going on because they drop all kinds of like hints and stuff you think that it's going one way with the sister because she um she gets bit at some point and so you think oh my god like this is patient zero but then like in future times it's like one of the umbrella people is like your sister is looking for you and i'm like what I thought she was our first zombie. What is happening? <laughs> so like, I feel like they're doing a really good job building the world, interspersing past and future together in a way that keeps the pace of the show going and doesn't get, because if they had just done an episode that was like all past, like all teenagers, all high school, I'd be like, okay, this is dumb and I hate it. <laughs> but they haven't done that. And I'm not bored. I'm enjoying it. I've seen a lot of people say it's really boring. I'm like, are we even watching the same show? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't describe it as boring. Like, I think here's the thing. Uh, if you if you made it through all of the Resident Evil movies that came out from uh, I, the d- director, I think is Paul W.S. Anderson. It's not the not the film artist guy, but the the guy who makes the Resident Evil films and the Alien versus Predator films, that one, and I think the Monster Hunter movie. So yeah, you you know the quality of films you're getting into, and like those movies, they they try to do both. They try to do we're gonna tell our own story with our own characters, but Chris Redfield's gonna show up, and Jill Valentine's gonna pop in, and Nemesis is gonna be there. And I think like they try to have their cake and eat it too with those films, and some are mm. successful, and some are you know, really, really bad, especially the last, you know, uh, four. So, uh, but again, they kept making them, they were successful and, you know, they had their audience. But when you look at Resident Evil on Netflix, I really love that they're saying, okay, we're going to tell our own story with, you know, the Resident Evil background umbrella. And like, let's focus in on creating a story that has Resident Evil vibes. Like, you have the zombies, you have Umbrella, you know, Evil Corporation, and they kind of build out from there. And they're they're telling their own story, but with and obviously you have Albert Wesker that's shown up. I was going to say, so this stuff like isn't necessarily pulled from existing Resident Evil content like it is its own thing. It's its own thing. Yeah. Like I, I think when well, in the first three episodes, like I've I've seen some dialogue around like there are connections but i feel like it's yeah i mean i there was kind of that like wink nod to the incident in the u.s of like why they had to move umbrella from the u.s over to south africa and why you know that's why wesker and his daughters had to get relocated and you know like very much like oh thousands died but we were able to contain it like the the whole raccoon city thing like they they kind of wink and nod to that which almost felt like a wink and a nod to the movie <laughs> kind yeah. of. Right. Um, so I, I wasn't sure if those things were actually supposed to be tied <laughs> together or not. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, when you think about it, if you have a new raccoon city, something happened to the old one. Right. Uh, it, I guess in well, the sense exactly. of, <laughs> in the sense of, an, of, of like a, a Resident Evil story, like I know there are 
new cities that are just like, hey, we came from this city, let's make a new one over here, and both continue to exist. Um, but in in this case, I feel like they are making a, a nod to the fact that the events of Raccoon City occurred. Uh, Raccoon City was nuked, as in uh, with Resident Evil two and three, and that, that I think you're right. Like there are those connections they borrow from the games in that sense, but. This is a, to me, uh, it feels like a sort of a, a branching path. Like this is where Umbrella builds a new city. Albert Wesker's there. And, and it's hard to tell in the first three episodes as to whether Albert Wesker is the bad guy. Umbrella is clearly the bad guy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Wesker doesn't seem like the bad guy. And like, because obviously, like outside of this TV show, there's been a lot of talk because um, they're doing more Resident Evil content in Dead by Daylight. And so everyone's like, oh, Wesker's going to be the new killer. And I'm like, really? <laughs> but he seems so nice. I don't understand. <laughs> so I'm assuming he must happen to him, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Classic Wesker is very much the classic mustache twirling villain of Resident Evil to the point where Every time he comes back, it is like this maniacal laugh. Take my sunglasses off. You'll never stop me. Wahaha. And I, I actually love that they've taken this character, Albert Wesker, and actually given him more character as opposed to just being evil dude with sunglasses. You yeah. know, um, he's like, a, yeah, he's he's just a he's just the bad guy, uh, you know, generic, the bad guy. And um I feel like in this series, they turn him into he's still clearly he's got that edge. Like there are this there's a moment where um, in the the present timeline, he's at the school. He's confronting, you know, uh, the bully and the parent of the bully. And he very much goes into Albert Wesker mode where he is tearing them a new one. Like, do you know who can do my job? Only me. Very calmly. Yeah, the, it's the very calm, like, you're not even worth my time to get upset at. Like, exactly. I'm just going to tell you how the world is. Spoiler alert, it does not look good for you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Apologize to my daughter. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's where if you watch the first episode, you're like, oh, man, is this going to be bouncing between high school and the future? And the future stuff is really cool. Like, I think all of the effects work that they have in place with the future episodes where you see the zombies, you see the monsters, like it's, it's, it's been really pretty well stuff. done. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been really impressed with it. Like it, it's definitely on par with the stuff that they're doing for the Witcher. Um, I was a little bit worried that, you know, like with so many um, properties right now, some of the stuff looks super green screeny and, you know, like we're still seeing the effects of the pandemic and stuff and that they're not doing as much location work. They've realized they can pump stuff out without spending tons of money to go film on location. Um, so I was kind of a little bit worried about corner cutting in that way. Um, because, again, I heard terrible things about this show and I'm like, but it looks good. It's like it, it's, it's been entertaining. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I wasn't sure if it was like expectations or my lack of knowledge or what but like i'm i've i've been enjoying it i think it's really good and and you're right about the effects and stuff like the i found the the stuff in the channel was like legitimately like really scary i don't think i made it that far okay all right i won't say i won't say anything else then but um because that i think the channel is episode three yeah, I, I don't think I finished three. I think I got okay. I definitely got through one and two. And um, again, like I, I think like the first 
two two and a bit episodes that I watched, like I I think where the show struggles is 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 like the high school drama stuff. But it but as you said, it's so it's so quick and it happens in between jumping to the future and, and back to Lance Reddick being, being a uh, Albert Wesker, which is, he's awesome. Again, like he's, he's awesome. Really good. Like, I mean, which shouldn't be a surprise, right? No. Like he does a really excellent job. He's good at playing this kind of a character. I think he's also playing the character. Like you mentioned with a little bit of nuance, like he has those moments of like, I can be like serious and intimidating, but I'm also still a dad. So there's like moments of vulnerability there. So it's a little bit of a more of a complex character than kind of the like ice cold stoic characters that he has played in the past that have also been in some sort of like leadership role. Like I'm thinking like fringe specifically, it took a long time for his fringe character to kind of warm up. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they've started him in this role with a little bit of warmth to kind of counteract that um that stiffness or potential stiffness that his character could have um and yeah like i I think he's giving a really good performance i think the kids are doing a really good job in their performances as well and like it seems to really ramp up story-wise um in terms of the stuff that we're seeing um before the apocalypse like there's a little bit of teenager drama stuff like we've already mentioned a couple times, but then like it quite quickly ramps up and more and more stuff begins to happen that isn't necessarily centered around the high school. It's more centered around, you know, the impending apocalypse and the lab and the, all that other kind of stuff. So it's like they they probably had 20 minutes of content in the high school and maybe it felt like that 20 minutes stretched out for an hour, but it really didn't. It wasn't that much and it was there for a reason. So it kind of like gave a bit of an insight into the into the girls and and who they are and you know what their relationship is like which i'm sure is going to um inform a lot of the character development later on cuz you can kind of see some of those moments that you are privy to in the first couple of episodes starting to be shown in some of the future stuff um in in kind of episode 3 just in the way that um like certain people feel about either certain other people or how they feel about the the zombies or the virus or whatever. Like you can see why they hold the views that they do. And I think that's really good storytelling. So I'm looking forward to finishing it. I mean, I think there's, is it eight episodes total? Yeah. It's a, it's a limited season. I don't know if it's, is it a series or a season? Like it is eight episodes. And, and I mean, that's the other struggle I have with, with Netflix in general um, is that they love to tell yeah. these open-ended stories, but then not renew, renew the season. And, um, that's where I struggle with this one in that, like a lot of the online dialogue and reviews have been like mixed to negative. And I wonder like, oh man, is this going to be another one of those Netflix seasons that they hype up? And then because it wasn't received, I, I think it's being received well. Like I, 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 I think like in terms of Netflix watchers like it's it's doing well but obviously I don't know that I don't work for Netflix but yeah. <laughs> I I really do hope that we do get a second season if I like I I just hate to get into it and then find like oh yeah oh there's only 8 episodes <laughs> dang <Yeah>. it <laughs> especially if it ends with a cliffhanger so I don't know if it does but We'll have to see. Uh, well, I'm going to be away for two weeks so uh we'll have to do a full Resident Evil deep dive when I get back. Um, but we do have uh, Dustin is guesting next week on the 26th. 
And then Babylon Redeemer, aka Josh, is going to be coming in on August 2nd. So uh, I'm sure you guys are going to have some awesome conversations. I really am looking forward to what you and Dustin have to say about As Dusk Falls because I feel like it's another one in this the same kind of vein as the quarry and the, you know, other kind of like narrative games that we've been playing. So I'm interested to see if you guys get some time to like play together and and talk about that co-op experience because, yeah, eight players, eight characters seems like chaos, but maybe it's just a voting thing like Wolfpack. I don't know. I don't know. I can't wait to hear you talk about it. Um, but again, so that'll be uh, Dustin will be guesting July 16th and Josh will be here on August 2nd. So thank you guys so much for filling in for me. And uh, thank you to our patrons uh, for July, Will P and Paul M. Thank you so much for supporting the show. If you guys want your name here, you can head on over to patreon.com slash gamers in to support Ryan and I and all the content we create. That brings us to the news this week. Uh, Nintendo has acquired an animation studio. Hooray! (laughs) I mean, I will take anything that hints at some sort of Zelda storytelling. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is uh, very interesting. So uh, this news broke shortly after our last episode, and I I felt like it it needed to be included because it, it, you know, it's inter- we have an interest in this, both of us, because we love Nintendo yes. products and want to see them uh, used in other medium besides video games. Um, and we don't want it to be, we don't want all of Nintendo's products to be developed by the minions folks. As much as I love illumination, I, I feel like let's, let's spread the IP around a little bit. Um, but yeah, Nintendo has acquired C- a, a CG production company, Dynamo Pictures, and they're going to rename it uh, Nintendo Pictures uh the this company's done a lot of work so they've done planning and production of visual content including some cg animation but also lists some motion capture work that they did on death stranding persona 5 and uh, even some post-production work on metroid other m so you know the the fact that they are renaming it nintendo pictures does kind of hint that they're going to be doing more with you know animation television and, and film and have that done in-house but you know, another thing that this could be is it could assist Nintendo with with, you know, next ge- their next generation of of products. I could see them looking at more mocap done in house. Yeah, if they're if they're looking at making some more more realistic, less cartoony, like motion captured type products, then, yeah, this this would make sense for sure. I just like as soon as I think like Nintendo animation, I think like. Mario, Zelda, Kirby, like all of the kind of like all of the squishy characters that Nintendo has. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I again, like I feel like I feel like a majority of this work that will be done by Nintendo Pictures will be producing in-house, you know, uh, animations for TV and, and film. I feel like that is going to be the bulk of it. Um, but it allows Nintendo to have a little more control. We know how much Nintendo like the the reason they waited so long to make this new Mario movie that's coming out next year was probably just due to the fact that they needed a partner that would allow them to have more of a collaboration as opposed to here's the IP, here's a couple of ideas, and then they go off and make something and Nintendo has no say, which, you know, happened in, you know, 93 when they made the Super Mario Brothers movie (laughs) uh, back then. So, you know, Nintendo's wary about that. And I think having something in-house allows them a little more control. Now, is that a super great thing like i don't know like i feel like we're not really gonna know until we see the super mario movie right like the one that's coming out in the spring which i had totally forgotten got bumped i was like 
isn't this thing supposed to be out by now? Like, what's the holdup? I feel like we've been talking about it forever, um, but it is coming out next spring. It was bumped to spring 2022 to April release. Um, and I feel like the success of that is going to dictate a lot. I feel like um, the, the um, Detective Pikachu movie, I feel like did really well, but I'm always hesitant to say that like a Nintendo movie has done well or like a Nintendo property has done well when it's tied to Pokemon. Cause I feel like Pokemon just has such a huge fan base like that will interact with slash buy whatever Pokemon content is created. If that makes sense. It's like, I don't think they could make a Pokemon movie and have it fail. <laughs> like all the Pokemon movies have always made lots of money. Yeah. Oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, having the lead Pokemon be voiced by Ryan Reynolds, it's kind of like it's you're printing money at that point. Yeah, exactly. So it's like saying that like Detective Pikachu was successful or that any Pokemon movies were successful. I think you can say, yes, that is true. But all that proves is more Pokemon movies will be successful. Not that Nintendo movies will be successful because I feel like there's just a whole other like side of Nintendo that yes, lots of people play like Zelda. Lots of people play Super Mario, like all that kind of stuff. There's definitely those fans out there, but I think they've kind of yet to prove that they can tell a very compelling story in that space. If it makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I think when you look at detective Pikachu, which was, I think was well, well received, but did have like a good story for for Pokemon. I mean, it's not like you're yes, winning yeah, Oscars uh, with Detective Pikachu, but I, I mean, like <laughs> when you look at adapting Pokemon and you look at the way they did uh, the anime and the TV show and movies with that one, um, that was very much like, oh, we're making a video game adaptation. But I feel like Detective Pikachu went a bit further and and had, you know, it, like you had star power there, too. And I think that when you look at video game adaptations, you are starting to see that more where, you know, you're getting, you know, higher profile actors uh, in these series and and they are playing video games as well and having uh, really happy to be to be working on these products like it a lot. Video game movies have come a long way. Adaptations have come a long way. I mean, I think that Nintendo having their own now studio, which uh, again, like that's what Sony has. Sony has their own well, Sony Pictures, it was that before video games. And I think that's really helped them find partners to bring their IP like to Netflix and TV and movies. So Nintendo doing this, I think, will allow them to not only, you know, find the right projects, but also bring in the right talent um, and attract that talent. Because I think that when you just send the IP out to some production companies, it, it can be the talent can be varied. And I think that's where the relationship with Illumination Pictures has allowed them to um, choose the talent for for the film. And I mean, we haven't heard Chris Pratt. We're not going to go down that road. But I think like everybody else in that cast list, everyone was like, yeah, that sounds pretty great. You know, yeah. but, uh, but yeah. for some reason, Mario's like, oh, I don't know, guys. <laughs> well, and, and I, Mario has the link problem, too, right? Like, I mean, yes, they have sounds. Yeah. They have a couple of key phrases. Uh, well, I guess Link doesn't have phrases per se, but he has he just, more grunts. Like, yells. Yeah, he just yells and grunts. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, like, it's really hard because it's like in those cases, you already have like a voice or a tone in your head. And it's really hard to imagine since you've been kind of reading in your head for so long. It's hard to imagine somebody 
taking on that iconic character and, you know, bringing a voice to the screen. It's just hard to imagine some of those characters like talking in full sentences. So yeah, I think anyone announced for Mario would have raised eyebrows. So, you know, we'll have to see how it goes. Um, Last piece of news tonight that we've got for you is uh, PlayStation Stars. So this is a loyalty program from PlayStation, which like, yay, I guess. But I feel like, um, I mean, uh, we've talked about this with like subscriptions to stuff. Um, but just in general, I feel like I have so many things to keep track of now. Are you starting to feel that way too? Like so many programs, so many subscriptions, so many things everywhere that like, I don't take advantage of anything everywhere, but I know like you've, you've done some Nintendo stuff, right? Like the Nintendo club, whatever club Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah. You've interacted with that. I think more than I have, I, I keep feeling like they give me points for stuff and I never have enough to do anything with, but you, I think have actually gotten stuff out of the Nintendo loyalty program. So maybe we should just start there. Like, Loyalty programs in general where you earn free points for doing stuff in a specific space that you can redeem for things at a later time, yay or nay? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, as someone who does, you know, participate in some of these programs, especially with Nintendo and Microsoft has one as well, but they're sort of tied to their like Microsoft rewards program so it's kind of like they pull everything see in like Xbox i didn't even and... know microsoft had one there's so many <laughs> yeah i mean like to fully utilize it you kind of have to use bing so like it's you know oh, it's no not wonder. for everyone <laughs> it's definitely not for everyone but but Poor you bing. <laughs> yeah i know uh, but in terms of the search yeah in terms of search engines like obviously google's top of the line but then like bing is the next one that comes to mind like what's the what's another one that well we yeah get? but Google still has like 95% of the market share though. Like, yay, way to go, Bing. You're second at 5%. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) Hey man, Uh, they have, they have a a piece of the pie. So there you go. Um, Poor Bing. I just feel like I have to defend Bing, but um, (laughs) yeah. So Microsoft has one. I mean, you can do that solely within the Xbox ecosystem and, and gain some points and you can redeem them for, uh, you know, Microsoft money to use on the Xbox store or, uh, or, or redeem it for Xbox game pass, uh, codes. And, and again, like it, you, you get some points for achievements, you get some points for playing specific games on game pass and that sort of thing. And they kind of accumulate in the background. I think the best part about the, the Microsoft ones, is they don't expire as long as you have an active account, which I think is the critical thing for a loyalty program in that, mm. you know, you want to, you want to feel like you're, your points are 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 not going anywhere just because you haven't used Well, yeah, them. because you're remaining loyal. Yeah. If you have a loyalty program with an expiry date, it's kind of like, okay, but are you rewarding me for sticking around or not? <laughs> Those are two very mixed messages. Exactly. And I mean, this won't surprise you that Nintendo has their points expire after a certain amount of time. So it does not surprise me. <laughs> yeah. So Nintendo's uh, Nintendo has actually two types of currencies. You have the the silver coins, which you get for doing activities, and uh, they've actually uh, bundled it in with Nintendo Switch Online. So you can do um, you can get more points by just interacting uh, with the system on Nintendo Switch. But they also have the gold points which were sort of brought forward from the Wii U era where those gold points um, you get by buying games and then you can actually use them to knock a couple bucks off of uh, a video game. Like they don't accumulate in any sort of fashion that you're like in a meaningful way. 
Yeah, you're not able to buy a full game unless you're buying like one of those, you know, oh, it's a it's 90 percent off and it costs you 99 cents. And they're like, oh, it's it's what's this game? Um, <laughs> and but but you can redeem those for actually really cool physical rewards that you you can then have shipped to you from Nintendo, the the silver points. So there's there's they ha- they have that going there. I think Nintendo has like one of the better, you know, loyalty programs where you can get you know, one of a kind. I, I'm looking around my office and I can see like I have a pin set. Um, I have like a like a 3DS cartridge that can, you know, hold a bunch of carts in, in the box there and like little things. You know, I got like a set of origami paper from Super Mario uh, or Paper Mario. Paper uh, Mario. Yeah. yeah. And and the kids love that. So like there's some really cool stuff there. Um, but I think what PlayStation is doing with PlayStation Stars is kind of a like kind of a mix between what Nintendo and Microsoft do where you can earn points for, you know, playing certain games and and doing some some specific tasks within games, getting trophies, stuff like that, and then you're going to use those points for, you know, turning them in for uh credit on the PSN store or getting digital rewards, which is a little mm-hmm. bit closer to what Nintendo has with the Nintendo Switch Online, which is brand new. That you can, um, you might have seen if you go to the friends list on your Nintendo Switch, you can see some folks have some really, uh, you know, more designed icons. You can actually create those icons using your reward points to um, redeem for specific frames and character pictures and stuff like that. And you can build like your own digital icon. It's it's minimal, but again, like you're trading in like four, or five or ten coins um, that you're earning just by you know, launching a specific just by game. using. Yeah. Just by using the system or interacting with the system or playing a game in a certain window. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting. I mean, it's, it's probably nothing that I'm going to like get too far into. I say that, but I do really like achievements and this basically sounds like rewarding you for achievements. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I have noticed I've been spending a lot of time in the PlayStation ecosystem. It seems like everything I want to play right now is on the PlayStation. No offense to the Xbox, um, but it just seems like that's kind of where I've landed in a lot of cases. So um, maybe this is a loyalty system that I'll actually pay attention to. Who knows? But um, I also feel like Microsoft anyways doesn't do a great job like their notifications that pop up to tell me that I've done something or earned something are usually popping up I find anyways they usually pop up at a really inopportune moment like I'm never gonna push the Xbox button to find out what I just earned points towards like it's when I'm first launching a game or if I've just got like an achievement and I'm I'm like I'm right in the middle of doing something and this pops up and it's it's on par with a freaking pop-up ad. And I'm just like, not now, Xbox. Like, I don't care what I've earned in my daily login bonus or my weekly whatever. Like, stop. <laughs> so I just, uh, I some of them uh, in the past I find have been annoying in the way that they try to interact with me to the point that like, yes, they're in my face. Yes, they're popping up. But it's like that's making me less likely to interact with them. So I hope that whatever PlayStation does with stars is more like there, but not in my face, like reminding me that it's a thing, like as part of a loading screen or something without being like pop up, pop up, pop up, like I'm getting achievements when I'm not. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I I hope that PlayStation will take a more, you know, pared down approach, like less, like just less noise. And I think that's yeah. where the Microsoft side of it is like, there's a lot going on. If you go to the rewards yeah. page to earn to earn points, it's like you can do everything. You can engage with Bing surveys. You can within the Xbox, you can go watch a YouTube video. You can. You can just do the weekly challenges of, of which earning. to be fair. And actually, you should talk to him about this next week, because I think Dustin does a lot of that stuff, because I think he was saying last time there was a DVD sale, he ended up like buying mm-hmm. almost all the like DLC for Dead by Daylight just strictly out of points that he or, or like money that he earned doing like two Bing searches a day or something. And I was like, what? But you have to do Bing searches. He's like, you can just smash your face on the keyboard twice a day in the Bing search bar. It doesn't care. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. So, but like, I think the the point is that like the the Xbox thing, and it seems like the PlayStation 2, because they talked about being able to um redeem for potentially wallet funds or PlayStation Store products. Um, the fact that you can like do tasks that only cost you time and you can earn real money rewards out of that there's something potentially there yeah and and again like uh any loyalty program is like you get what you put into it and yeah it, it yeah. just it really depends on how much the program respects your time and i think that mm-hmm. the nintendo side of it it respects your time i think the microsoft stuff it respects your time it takes takes time but you get some pretty cool rewards out of it especially if you want to be able to take some money off of a, a purchase or, or save up your points. And I think that's, that's the critical thing is like, as long as you know, it respects your time and you, you get what you put into it and it doesn't, it, it doesn't feel one-sided. Like I think a loyalty program is, is basically that's, those are the best ones, the ones that you don't feel like you're wasting your time. And I mean, again, most folks, if you feel you're wasting your time, you are going to disengage from, from the program and you might just end up, well, I'll oh I've got some points here I'll redeem it for you know this stray icon so now I can have a cat as my profile picture like that will be one of the rewards you know yeah yeah and it'll be a low point value but again like it, maybe that's all you want out of it it's like oh I've got like 20 points from earning these two achievements I'm gonna change my profile picture that's how I feel on the steam one because the steam one you earn points with like every purchase I've got a gajillion yeah. steam coins and I'm like I don't even know what I can do with these and one day I went and looked and I was like oh man there's all kinds of like chat emojis in here there's like profile pictures and stuff and I'm like well I'm not spending it on anything else and as far as I know knock on wood I probably should have checked before I spent a whole bunch on emojis but anyways um, as far as I know, you can't like turn that into steam wallet money or anything like that. So like if I'm just sitting here and I'm like, well, I, I, yeah, I want a new profile picture. Sure. Why not? Like, that's cute. I'll do that. Or, you know, like, yeah, I'll, you know, have the emoji with the tongue tongue sticking out. Like I do that all the time. Like, why wouldn't I want to spend virtual currency on virtual pictures? Like, <laughs> sure. Wait. Oh, my God. I just explained NFTs. No. <laughs> And that was so a couple things like, um, yeah, they they did. If you're uh, going to tell me that there is some way to translate steam coins into steam money, I'm going to be really mad, Ryan, because I literally have like 100,000 steam coins. <laughs> oh, that was the thing. Yes, you, you can buy selling. So I think you can sell that stuff on the steam marketplace and get like cents for it. Oh, but, OK. Yeah. So you have to like you, you buy stuff from the store with your coins and then you can yeah. sell the item on the marketplace for people that don't have coins. OK, I see. Yeah, I'm not going to waste my time doing that. 
I was kind of wondering, though, because I had some things I just was randomly looking at the Steam um, like auction thing or whatever, um, like a week or two ago. I can't even remember why. I think I was killing time during a download or something. And I moused over a couple of things that were in like my inventory and they were worth seven and eight bucks. And I was like, what? Really? <laughs> but they might have been things I bought out of the store or something. Well, that's the thing is um, that that's an instance of like, are you 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 get what you put into it but is it respecting your time to go in and and list all those items for 20 cents, 2 bucks, that sort of thing and um yeah, probably probably not but but I think like the other thing about this PlayStation Stars is Sony did acknowledge like hey, we get it whenever we talk about like digital, you know, uh digital things like owning digital items like this is these aren't NFTs um essentially it's just a, <laughs> a it's a check in the database right like so basically yeah, yeah you have purchased this stray profile picture so you can have that cool cat um basically yeah oh yeah yeah no and i i know that i know they're not actually nfts i was just being stupid a lot of people were worried and rightfully so uh, yeah. well yeah yeah there's there have yeah nfts are dumb <laughs> I feel like that is a whole other conversation yeah. for a whole other show. Um, but that is the end of this show. If you want to continue the conversation, head on over to bit.ly slash TGI Discord. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays, Ryan is Dara Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. And remember, tune in next week for Ryan and Dustin. Yay. Bye, everybody. Bye.